Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Robots Radio presents... The Cyberbuck Lorecast. Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where style is just as important as substance. Welcome to the podcast where we explore the lore, news, and gameplay of the cyberpunk games and other dystopian worlds. I'm your host, Robots. Hey there, cyberpunks. Welcome back to the Cyberpunk Lorecast. That air drumming means it's time for another episode and i'm your host tom or robots here as usual with my co-host logan captain logan how are you doing i'm doing good on this pirate day actually pie, it's pie day pie pirate day it works it works no i'm doing good i'm having a, a really good time um i i'm everyone really seemed to like the uh, the goro episode last week uh i hit you up and i was like i think it's time to uh to talk about some of the ladies in the game yeah so yeah i don't i don't have a physical bat here but i got the horny bat ready for any of you guys <laughs> this is what he sent me this week every week we kind of message each other at some point during the week and we're just like what do you want to talk about or here's an idea and this week he was like let's talk about pan am and they sent me the horny bat uh gif so clearly uh she's she you were a male v and she was on your uh radar i guess we should say yeah radar yeah yeah we're right and it's funny too because like in the beginning of the of the game you first meet like evelyn and judy and everyone's just like oh my god evelyn judy oh my god and then you mm-hmm. you listen later on after like after half a week has gone by and everyone's like oh my god have you run into pan am and <laughs> right, i was just right. like who's pan am uh-huh. who's this pan am everyone's talking about pan am and then i finally got to pan am and i was like oh i get it uh-huh. i see Oh, she, okay. So we're, we're going to, we're going to get into this. We're, we're not just going to talk about that one aspect. We're going to talk a lot about lots of aspects of her character. Um, first we're going to kind of go over just a brief summary of what happens, how you interact with her, how you meet, meet her, who she is. And then we're going to get into some of our perspectives on her specifically when it comes to not just the relationship stuff, but her as an individual, her personality connections to the nomad tribe she's a part of. Even her potential for leadership, which was brought up in our kind of pre-show chat. Um, so Thanatosted had a question about that. So we're, we're going to address a lot of stuff around her. Um, and we even talked during the pre-show about potentially doing maybe next week the Al Decaldos as a as an episode all unto themselves. So we're not going to get too deep into the other characters and those kinds of things. So um, so let's get into this. Let's do the little recap thing. This comes from the uh, fandom.com wiki article, which sums this up pretty well. Pan Am Palmer yeah. was part of the Aldecaldos nomad tribe who had traveled to the Badlands outside Night City. Due to her rebellious attitude, she eventually left the tribe and went to Night City, working under the fixer Rogue. She paired Pan Am and Nash Bane to work as a team, but left out that Nash was a Raffin Shiv. They worked together only a few gigs till Pan Am messed up on Rogue's last assignment after she was betrayed by Nash, who stole Pan Am's car and the merchandise they were supposed to deliver. This connects right into the stuff that you deal with in the game. 
when local can we, can we oh sure pause on that because yeah. I, I think that's a great point to just kind of start this off like the way that we the way that we get introduced to pan m through rogue was so interesting because it felt like to me and and maybe this is just strictly coming as like a male v perspective uh but it totally felt like in a rom-com the the meet cute moment where someone sets two people up and has them meet up and then that is like the the romance spark because they're they're pushed together at, against their their wills and they're forced to work together and that's what pushes them together you know it's like that that moment where they're like oh i have to work with you this right. sucks right and then you come to find out you two really like each other kind of moment and i thought that was this was such a, a cool way to actually bring these two characters to your character and pan m's character together um but to also show just how like already you kind of already have like this weird sense of like who the heck is pan m and if she's screwing up this bad do i really want to to help like i have to get rogue's help like rogue mm -hmm. is essential to to you being able to to complete your main mission yeah. so you need rogue and the only way to do that is to help rogue first and rogue sets you on this path but i don't think that rogue actually ever anticipated this working out do you? Huh, interesting. Yeah, because there's there's kind of a mix of um, I don't know what the best way to phrase this is. There's a, a mixed perspective on her right from the beginning that not she's capable. She's a badass, but she's in kind of a mess at the same time. Right. Yeah. There's this feeling of like, oh, Pan Am can do it, but you're going to have to deal with her. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> like you really don't, you really don't know if you want to go on this mission, but you know that the only way rogue's going to help you is if you do. And then when you get there, you're like, what is it about this truck? Who are the, what? Right. They stole a thing and I have to do what now? Yeah. You've got this like whole and thing that you are like, the, you, you are just like railroaded. Like she is very headstrong. She's a very headstrong mm -hmm. character. And she is all about like, listen, I'm going to go do this thing and you're coming with me or I'm not helping you is basically the, the whole thing. Right. And it's like, yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, and, and the whole time I'm thinking, and, and this is one of the dilemmas of the game of like, my time is limited, <laughs> you know, like I've got the chip in my yeah. brain. I don't know how long I'm going to live and you need me to come help you on some extravagant side quest. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think that's one of the, um, uh, we can talk about this a little bit later in one of the news articles that came out that we'll, we'll address at the end of the show. But, um, mm, totally. that's one of the things that happens in games is this sense of like, oh, you have to do it. The main quest is here. Go do, 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 do. <laughs> right. Like the world hinges on you getting this done as soon as you possibly can or your life hinges or somebody else's life. Right. But then you constantly come across these other things and you're like, ooh, that shiny thing over there. I'm going to go do that. Or this person really needs totally. my help. And it's like, how did those two things fit together? And this is another one of those instances where I was just like, do I really want to go help you do this? I guess it's part of the main quest line. So. I think so. Okay. I'll do it. Yeah. yeah. That was my whole perspective. The first time I ran into it. Yeah. And when you get there, it's, it is clear that she is 
seeing you at either the same level of respect that that she has for herself or like just slightly below it like, like mm-hmm. she 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 trusts herself to get whatever she has to get done that's why she's not even like in the El- in the altacados at the moment because she feels like she's a better leader and if she's not going to be heard by the altacados then she's going to break away from them and do her own her own gigs at this point she's going to go become her own uh solo at that point so when she gets paired up with you she's like great another dude that has to tag along and screw things up for me Mm -hmm. wonderful Mm -hmm. don't get in my way i'm getting my truck if we get the supplies cool but i'm gonna probably kill nash just don't screw this up for me and you're like all right i'm along for the ride because rogue said i had to be i'm here (laughs) and then that's that's that moment where you're like she's kind of awesome and i like this yeah yeah what's going on right and and so okay so from different perspectives here your your main playthrough you were let's just talk first playthroughs first time you got to this you were male v i was female v when i first got to her so i didn't have that perspective necessarily of a potential romantic partner um Mm -hmm. but uh as i got to know her I definitely tried that. Like I tried the conversation stuff that was like, well, maybe there's a little bit more going on here. Cause you're pretty cool. Right. I thought, okay, well yeah. maybe, maybe she's into the ladies. I don't know. Nope. Not into the ladies. She's like, she was very politely like, yeah, nope, we're not going there, but thanks. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, but that wasn't, mm-hmm. that wasn't my main uh, perspective on her initially was as like a, ro- a p- potential romantic option. Um, she is very, uh, she's very hard headed. She's very driven, but she's also kind of a mess. Like you can totally. see that, like she's burned bridges. She's, she's kind of like, like people care about her. They love her. They want to protect her, her friends from the, you know, the nomad tribe that are still her friends are there for her, but they have boundaries. It's like, everybody has learned to, accept her for where she, who she is. And then also kind of at the same time, keep a certain distance. Does that make sense? Totally. It does. This reminds me of a past relationship that I had that it was very, I'm not going to go into details of this, but that, that feeling of like, uh, you're, you're very capable, but you're also very high maintenance. So well, what's okay. Keep you at a friendly distance here's a perspective that I think I would, I want to pose out there because you're, it, we're kind of painting her in a, into a corner. I, I feel like she has the greatest intentions, but she's always kind of pushing for the short term goal in, in mm. what she does. And, and because of that, she, she's so headstrong that she thinks that what she's doing is always the right thing to do. Right. And, I, I I remember when it first started, it always kind of felt like she was taking. And mm-hmm. with the Aldecados, with nomads, you can't just take. Like you can take in Night City, but with the Aldecados, with the, with nomad tribes, you have to give. It's about being and part of never, the collective. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. I never I never got that sense from her. I never understood like what was she giving to the Aldecados? Like she was picking up jobs and she wanted to get tech to sell it and stuff, but at the same time it felt like that was on her terms. Whereas Saul, mm-hmm. uh who's who is the leader of the Aldecados, always looked at things from a very tribalistic perspective 
if we had to go do something, it had to be for the betterment of the tribe. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to be a personal gain. Whereas with with Pan Am, it always felt like there was a bit of a of a, of a personal thing that was going on with what she was doing uh, when you go out on missions, like to get this first mission exactly from Rogue. Yeah. Like they lost a shipment to the Raffin Shiv. They knew they had to go get that shipment, but her goal was to take care of Nash and to get her truck back. Even though it was, she's trying to do a mea culpa for Rogue at this point. She's trying to apologize and get the shipment back. Right, right. She wants her cake and but to eat it too. Yes, she's she's going. She's it. going like, yeah. I know I have to do this thing for Rogue. Yeah, I need. I messed up and I need to make up for it. But you know, like hell will freeze over before I give up getting my truck. Also, <laughs> you know, like yeah, like I'm gonna do this too, no matter what. Yeah. Um, almost to the point where she would be willing to lose out on you know the mea culpa on, on being able to make up for her, oh, totally. her misgivings if she can still get the stuff that she really does care about yeah and and you can sense that too so when you get down to that mission and you actually complete it she calls up rogue and she's like hey i got your shipment i hope you're happy and rogue's like bitch do you know who i am like that was just a that was me trying to send you to send a message that, that I didn't care about that shipment. I was just trying to get back at you for screwing it up the first time. Right. And and Panem is just like oh, I uh she's just kind of like wow, whatever. Okay. That's fine. And it was it was so interesting. I do have one question for you though, mm-hmm. um which I wanted to ask earlier but we we got on a good conversation there. No, it's it's fine. This this conversation is just kind of flowing. So I hope I, I I'm there's the part of me in the back of my mind that's going like I hope people are following who have played through this. I feel like we need to go back and just kind of oh, recap yeah. some more of this yeah. stuff just in case people need some of that recap but go ahead and ask the question okay so yeah i definitely you, you bring up a good point i did want to ask though um when when the game started out i didn't really care too much about like what i had on me like guns would go clothing would go didn't matter i was just grabbing whatever was what cars i would steal one if i wanted to it wasn't until i got out into the badlands that i did the mission with pan m and she was speaking so highly of her truck Mm. and it wasn't until I met her and I started to see like how the how the Aldecados and the Raffin Shiv treat their vehicles that I really got a sense of like I care about vehicles. So mm. did you feel any of that when you were playing through? Like did you have an appreciation for the vehicles before you jumped into that that quest chain? I don't think so, because I think the game doesn't allow me to make them my own enough. Mm. Yeah. I think if I had the ability to buy a vehicle upgrade it tweak it out paint it whatever make it my own then i would feel more towards that in fact i've i've avoided buying many of the vehicles because i was just like what's the what's the point like Mm -hmm. is it going to get me from one place to another faster that one's not uh is it like i don't have i don't have a functional need for it um so yeah so therefore not really uh which which made me feel a little bit like I don't know, jealous of the fact that she had a cool, you know, tricked out vehicle that was hers that she clearly had worked on and customized in her own way. I I, I want that. I want like, and we've talked about that before. Like uh, hopefully they will add this kind of stuff to the game as it, as eventually evolves into more of a multiplayer thing. Um, But yeah, like I want to check out my, I want to, I want my body to be as customized as possible and, and to change it when I want to change it. I want my vehicles to be customized. I want my weapons to be customized. I want a home that I can customize. I want, I want to make my character and live in this world in a way that I feel like 
is me or at least it, yeah. uh, is the character that I'm role playing as. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, well here, let's, let's get back into the, the recap so yeah. that we can kind of get people on track with us in case we jumped over anything that they need to, you know, recap about. Um, when local Merc V was looking for ways to find Anders Hellman, you guys remember Anders Hellman, whose AV was assumed would pass across the Badlands, Rogue provided V with the information he needed about the target and also gave them Pen Am's contact as she would be the one to help V get Hellman. After meeting with Pan Am and confirming she knew the area well, both agreed to help each other in the spirit of trading favors. In, spirit, in spite of both leaving the Aldecaldos and being in a persistent conflict with her leader, Saul, Pan Am maintained strong relations with the Aldecaldos and, through dialogue, revealed that she made the decision to leave as opposed to being shunned as initially implied. Though she can be quick to temper and seems keenly motivated by karmic balance, her primary interest was the well-being of the tribe for whom she was fiercely focused on making life both easier and safer. So I think that this is also an interesting perspective on her is that part of what she's upset about and the fact that she um, has broken away from them is she believes that the decisions being made by Saul are ultimately the wrong decisions for the group. Even though they're not the things that yeah. she th like, there is the side of it of like, she believes she knows what's best and they're not doing what's best. I think that there's that element of she doesn't want to be involved with doing things will, that will eventually lead the group to its demise. So she would rather leave than contribute to running it into the ground. Totally. Get that sense? And, and that, oh yeah. And, and I think that was the, I think that was the interesting thing where it's, it's hard to know, like, and because you meet Pan Am first and it's such a bummer because you, I feel like if maybe if we had met Saul first, uh, then we might have a better, a better kind of equilibrium between like who's actually right in this scenario because they, mm -hmm. they touched it in the, in the review, but it really is kind of hard to know like whose ideas are better for the the group. You, you kind of get introduced to Pan M and you build that, that bond. So you're already kind of like on her she side is your way. Right. Yeah. You're on her side. So it's like, I kind of agree with how Saul's approaching things. Like it would be better to steal some of this tech and sell it off to get some money for the, the clan because right now they need the money. But at the same time, you kind of have to follow Pan M because that's where the story is leading you. Mm -hmm. And she's the one that's going to be helping you get Hellman and Hellman's the one that's going to have the information about the relic and hopefully how to get it out of your, your head. So it's yeah, like, it makes great mayonnaise. <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? I don't follow Hellman's mayonnaise. That's a mayonnaise. Oh brand. my God. Oh my God. I didn't even <laughs> You're like what you're so deep into the game that the joke just didn't register oh, <laughs> no no God. like helmet's really it's a man yeah. brand um yeah the joke yes. went over yes. and then i raised my hand and i was like <laughs> whoa shoot. where did that go i missed oh, that one okay um, <laughs> um sorry yeah that, that so do you want to talk about the helmet quest because that was uh really awesome for me but it was really really kind of crazy on how how that actually transpired and what happened as a result of that did you want to spend you much know, time on that or um i mean that might that could be a whole nother topic we may want to hold off on that um okay because just to kind of it it ties into what happens to the tribe it's like 
there's yeah. a lot of connections to what goes on there. So I think we might want to hold off on, uh, maybe we can bring that okay. into the next episode or the one after that. Um, but yeah, there's some, like if, if we really dig into some of these things, there's some really interesting things that we can have some opinions and thoughts on. Um, totally. Well here, tell you what we're, we're nearing the middle of the show. Why don't we, why don't we move on to the middle of the show? We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about her from a personality standpoint. Uh, and then, and then getting to know the, the tribe a little bit and kind of doing some of those missions with her. Cause I think there's like, there's the elements of like spending time on the road, being at the, the bar, the one scene where you're at with at her, the, the bar with her, or you're at the, uh, the bar at the motel or whatever. Mm-hmm. You remember all that stuff. So let's talk about some of that. Oh, stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then we've got okay. some news at the end of the show. So let's uh, move on to the middle. Here we go. All right, patrons, this is your time to be thanked by us. Thank you for helping to support the show. We really do appreciate your support. And if you are interested in helping to support the show, check out patreon.com slash cyberpunk lorecast for all the different rewards that you can get. Early episodes, ad-free episodes, the ability to join us at the end of every month, which is coming up in just, I believe, two more weeks. We're going to have another end of the month chat with our patrons. And um, thank you to all of all of you. You guys are amazing. And everyone who helps us out either by sharing the show with a friend or leaving a rating and review. All of you guys are amazing as well. Thank you for the support and for your help. And um, we couldn't do without you guys. All right, let's move on to the rest of the show. My name is Brian Burton. It's been 26 years since the bombs fell. Since I've left the vault, I've been trying to rebuild. This isn't the Appalachia that I remember. There's so much more to everything going on. And I promise to find the answer. So if you're out there, if you're listening, just hone in on these coordinates. Remember, there's a place for you at the end. Omega. The Omega Broadcast Fallout Story is available on iTunes, Spotify, and many great podcasting sources. So when you're going through the missions with Pan Am, and you're out on the road. There's that, there's this, it's the first time in the game where not only are you really out of the city for an extended period of time, you're like out in the desert, you're traveling, time passes. There are these like moments where you're waiting for things and you're just having conversations, waiting for stuff to happen. Uh, there are nighttime conversations at like the motel, which I mentioned before, and you're at the bar and then there's hiding out in a, you know, in a room, um, there's, there's, you kind of go on. It really genuinely is this little side quest that's very much set up as kind of this. I mean, it's intimate, even if it's not intimate in a romantic sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, yeah, it does. You've got the, yeah. like, it's yes. the first time in the game that I felt like you genuinely spent a lot of time with another character other than Jackie. 
like you get to know the other characters. Mm-hmm. You meet Judy, you you hang out with Judy for a little bit, you talk with her, then you run off on a mission, right? You meet certain other characters, you, Takamura, whoever. You, you meet them, you talk a little bit, you run out on another, another mission. For this entire section of, of the story, it, it's kind of a self-contained bit where you and she in Pan Am are kind of stuck together. And like you mentioned, there's a lot of friction initially. And then there's the getting to know each other. And one of the details that I wanted to bring up was in my playthrough, I was um, I, I had the life path of being a nomad. So in the moments where there was the most friction, I had the conversation options of saying things like, yeah, I know what that's like. I've been there. I was part of a, a nomad group, you know, like that kind of stuff. Did you have that perspective? No, like, no. It was all street kid from me. So like everything that I talked to her about was all just kind of like trying, trying to kind of come at her from the the perspective of like, I kind of understand where you're coming from. And, but you still didn't really relate to what she was going through. Cause you never, as the street kid, you never had like a tribe. You never really had like a, a group to kind of lean into. So this whole idea of like excommunication and working towards a a common goal with people and being stuck out in the middle of nowhere for so long, it was really, it really was like a fish out of water experience for me, which I think is what pushed me so hard to kind of lean into that romantic. Cause I was like, if anyone is going to save my skin out here, I think (laughs) Pan Am's going to be the one to do it. And she's the one that's kind of calling me out here. So I feel like, for for whatever reason, she trusts me over having to try and fight with Saul to get stuff done. And in some of the cases, it actually was one of those situations where it was actually kind of strange because one of the missions, you actually have to go save like Mitch and Saul mm-hmm. in different missions. And I'm like, you have a whole tribe. You really probably could reach out to them. Why are you calling me? I'm just a street kid from night city. Like you barely know me. And it was only because of rogue. And I guess we just had that one mission, but that was enough to build trust to save the leader of the Aldecados with you. Like I'm, I'm kind of kind of confused about that. Yeah. uh, Is it because she's burned all the other bridges? Yeah, maybe, but it, it, so yes, but it's clear that she's still loved within the community. Right. It's just that right. she's the one that's kind of stepping away from the group. So I don't know if she's necessarily burned all of the bridges. I think there's just kind of bruised egos. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, that kind of makes it a, her, makes it a little bit harder for her to ask the Aldecados, which I guess is kind of why she's hitting you up because she hasn't, she hasn't had a fight with you yet <laughs> right which or which is interesting or maybe the other aldecados aren't um uh, just because you're part of a nomad tribe doesn't mean you're good at like infiltrating an enemy with weapons and shooting them you know Ooh, that's a that's, fair point that's the other side of it like the majority of the tribe probably do you know mundane less dangerous things with most of their time they take care of the food or raising the children or or providing for the, you know, the encampment and fixing things around camp or collecting supplies. You know, like there's a lot of other roles you can play other than being somebody who's, you know, like she and her buddies seem to be the ones who are comfortable with security duty and, you know, like yeah. taking out enemies that are messing with the tribe. But not everybody in the group is going to be able to do that. Um, So, yeah, there is that sense of it. So my perspective on it. And my first playthrough was of a female 
ex-nomad, which means that the more I got to know her, the more I had in common with her, not just from the nomad side, but also the, someone, a female woman who leaves her tribe in order to go do other things. So there was like, it was kind of this commonality thing, which is kind of this cool combination. These two badass women on the road doing what they need to do to get by, helping each other out, finding that they can, you know, they're, they're there for each other when they really need it. But we still didn't agree on everything. There was still that tension. You know, there's still moments where like we would argue like these two strong willed women who were just like, this is the way we're going to do. It. And the other one's like, no, we got to do it like this because this is what's going to happen. And you're like, OK. And then like even when she calls me up later and she's like, hey, Via, I need your help. And like my response was like, yeah, of course, I'll be there. I'll help you out. And that and it's and maybe it's uh, part of how well it's voice acted. But the the relief that comes through of like, oh, good, I'm glad you were going to say that. I was afraid you wouldn't. Like There was some sort of comment like that she made that made me feel like. Like, I don't know, you understand that I have other priorities, just like you have other priorities. But at the same time, we share a certain commonality in history now. That means that, yeah, OK, I'm there for you, you know. You talking about this gives me like memories of like watching Thelma and Louise. Yeah, it's it's, where, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so different than my playthrough because my playthrough felt so much more like a, a like I, I mentioned earlier, where it was like a meet cute where I felt like I was getting set up on a blind date and I didn't realize it. Maybe there was going to be a little little murder involved in some stealing, but you know what what isn't a good date <laughs> if there isn't murder and stealing? Yeah, right? Night City. That's how that, that's how all the sitcoms go. <laughs> that's, that's how that goes. Yeah. So, um, but no, I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking it was it was really kind of interesting to try and come at it from that perspective because it's definitely not what came across when I was getting hit up by V. It was very much like, I'm, I'm not sure why you're hitting me up for these things, but it seems like it's really important. And because of that, I, I feel like I need to kind of stop what I'm doing, which was really tough because there were a couple, couple missions that I was actually going through that I was like, Oh, I'm right in the middle of this thing with river and it feels really important. I can't just drop everything. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I could probably drop everything. Go hang out. Ben. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's, she's pretty hot. Like no. there's that side of it. Right. Like, well, she's hot. Um, which is so funny. It's such a weird human thing of like the shape of a person's face and body can, can sway us to make decisions. Isn't that so weird when you just say it? Yeah. That's so yeah. weird. <laughs> such a weird thing like why does that carry more weight than other stuff but it, ge it genuinely does there's a reason we go watch mm -hmm. certain movie stars or like or pick a certain spouse like because of the shape of their face and body that's so yeah. weird anyway stupid hormones stupid hormones I, yeah i blame puberty yeah if we didn't have puberty it wouldn't be an issue right right we would just like judge people on their merits and their quality of their personality and things like that <sighs> yeah imagine a world where we all just like judged each other on things like that instead of the way our faces are shaped it'd be like star trek it'd be amazing yeah we'd have a full federation of people coming together and working in a peaceful manner towards a commonality just to help enterprise like the 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 learning of of new races and helping them grow and and feel safe <laughs> and not have to worry about klingons and borgs all the time yeah because those don't exist hey, here's another what? thought what clean on klingons and borgs don't actually exist in our reality son of a i don't think truth's coming out right Do now they? Uh, okay so here's here's <laughs> another thing one of the wonderful things have you ever been asked the question like if you could be an animal what animal would you be 
There's a point to this. I'm, I'm, I'll get there. But there's okay. a point to it. Have you ever been asked <laughs> okay. that question? It's sometimes it's one of those questions yes. that comes up like in an interview or something. Like if you can be, and it tells you something about your personality. Like if you said like I'm an eagle, I would be an eagle. It means that like I'm, you know, I want to fly high and driven and stuff. Well, I've answered that question before, and I was like, you know, what? I want to really want to be a dog, because you know what dogs do is every time you give the dog a treat or a toy or the dog gets to go for a walk, it's the best freaking thing ever. Right? <laughs> like a dog is constantly easily excited about the simplest things. You know, like yeah. here's a new here's a treat. Yes, I love treats. You know, all right, we're gonna go for a walk. Yes, I love walks. And like <laughs> it's the best thing. They're just so excited. Um what if what if we were able to adjust ourselves so that like physical the physical appearance of anybody was just as exciting to us as anyone else <laughs> that would be crazy right what a what a we're crazy, just like that wow would... you're really attractive wow you're really attractive wow you're really attractive though isn't that kind of like that's that is like i mean we're getting way out into the weeds here but <laughs> that is kind of what happens when you meet someone and you don't know them and you may not initially be like as attracted to them but the more uh, you get to know them the, the more you start like loving their personality yeah. more than what they look like and that's like after a while it doesn't matter what they look like but like, I, also I, I think that there's also a thing that happens uh, psychologically where we start to perceive them as being more attractive than we originally did physically true because and of I think because of that connection too yeah like if you yeah. don't like somebody if if they have an if, like you stop finding them as attractive like even yeah. though they might have attractive like th theoretically they've you know a symmetrical face and, and you know an athletic lean yeah. body or whatever right but like it doesn't matter anymore because you you're so turned off Maybe. by their personality Maybe that's the secret to us being human is, is that we we can take those kind of things into account and change our opinions based on new information as opposed to dogs who are just like, everything's awesome. I don't everything's care. awesome. That's a murderer. I don't care. They murdered whoever they want. They're taking me on a walk. I like it. Does it smell? Maybe. Yes. Good. <laughs> like That's how dogs. Does it have a smell? Yes. Okay, great. Like It doesn't matter if it's a good smell yeah. or a bad smell. Um, so anyway uh, let's let's get back I, to pan like am here you, yeah um <laughs> but that, but that's the way that's kind of how i feel about pan am on in one perspective is that like she's she's obviously she's not a real person she's designed right as a character she's made to mm -hmm. be very attractive she's she's a badass um but at the same time she's very abrasive like if you don't yeah. find that attractive in somebody somebody who is headstrong and abrasive then on some level it doesn't matter if she's like very attractive person like you could have a playthrough where you're just like okay i'll do this because i have to but screw you <laughs> you know like yeah. doesn't matter like and, and i was kind of there was that balance i was kind of on that balance between like yeah i want to help you out because we have these commonalities in our characters like i see where you're coming from but at the same time like you seem like one of those fires that burns so hot that like i don't want to get too close to it because i might get sucked in and burned this is a weird this is a really kind of weird tandem and i god i feel like we're just we're just going off on tangents here but as as you're talking about it i started thinking about all of the different characters in cyberpunk and i'm like river's really headstrong 
He always goes against the grain. He's a very, very aggressive person in the sense that he wants what he wants. Goro knows exactly what he wants. He's very headstrong. He's very bullish on how he feels about things. Judy is very headstrong. She's not just going to get pushed around about how things are going to be going on with her. Mm -hmm. Same thing with um, uh, Pan M. Pan M is very headstrong. She's exactly with the, the, the strong type that's going to be pushing to get what she wants. Carrie is in a very fragile state when you find him, but after a while, after your interaction with him, he becomes very headstrong and very aggressive and very bullish on how he feels. And I'm like, these are all really well-written, strong characters. Like all of them have exactly what what they have in their mind is is set on what they're going to do. And you coming into their life reassures them of that. And it is extremely satisfying as a, as a human being to feel like you've improved someone's life and given them uh, the security or the, the purpose that they were hoping for. You know, like they were mm -hmm. on the edge. They were kind of like, you know, I know I should do this, but I don't know if I should commit to it. And you come into that and you reassure them that that's the right thing to do. And it's like, that's the, that's the, the switch that, that hits uh, that flicks on, that turns them onto the idea that they can do whatever they want. And you've enabled their their uh, confidence. Mm. And that is a really interesting thing to convey through a game. Yeah, And I think that's why they are so interesting as romanceable characters. But specifically with Pan M, a lot of my playthrough was reassuring her that she is doing the right thing for the tribe. And you are going to support her in that. And I really love the idea that 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 is what your goal is in this world. Like your last six months of living, your last however long you're going to be living is going around making the people who are just about to give up uh, commit to what they want and to help them get that. That's such a weird way to play through this game, mm -hmm. considering you have a, an end game goal is to save your own skin. <laughs> right, right. But that's that's how games work, you know, but but it is it is a noble thing to not just like in a game where you really should be worried about yourself mostly to actually yeah. find that you are helping other characters as well. Um, the uh, so Thanatos did in chat says, I mean, in the cyberpunk universe, you kind of have to be strong or you get dead. I have the same thought. It's this world is kind of an evolutionary bottleneck. Um Meaning yeah. that it is so dangerous, it is so precarious, and it will chew you up and spit you out that only the strong survive. Only the strong-willed will make it. Um, and if you were to come across a character that wasn't like that, that would be, and was getting things done, it would be a little bit odd. Um, True. So, but that, so it does make sense that that's how well all these people are. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, uh, I, I think the more we dig into these characters, like, and I love doing character studies like this. I love looking at characters and how they how they work out. I do this with a lot of the other lore casts. Um, but you you get a real sense of why they are the way they are and how how they connect into the world and how all the things work together. Um, and your own decisions based around those things. Uh, it gives you a real sense of like either the character you're role playing or you as a person. Like, how do you respond to dealing with people like this? You know, like, yeah, do you make those decisions? And I think that's actually a really interesting question that I would pose everybody out there is when you play a game like cyberpunk and you make decisions, do you make decisions based on what you would actually do in that situation? Do you make decisions based on what you think is the right thing to do, but you may not actually do it? Because I think a lot of times mm -hmm. we would do the we would make the decision for the thing that we think is ultimately right. But it would be very difficult to actually make ourselves go do 
in the real world. Yeah. It's easier to do it in a video game than it is in the real world. Or do you role play as a character and then stay true to that character and what that character would do in that world? You know, and that that can give you a very yeah. different perspective of all of these things because your perspective of a character is going to be affected by the lens you're viewing that character through. Just like you and I were having the discussion about you were a male uh, street kid and I was a female nomad. And that changes our perspective of the person that we're interacting with. I think that's all really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's it really kind of comes down to how good can you or how well can you commit to a character if you're going to play through that? Because uh, yeah, it's there were certain times in the game where I was making choices based on options that I was given that I didn't personally agree with that I felt like if I didn't take, I don't feel like I would have gotten the experience that I wanted to to understand like what what way was this path going to go down? Like was it going to be as bad as I think it is? Mm. Ultimately it was but at least i had that experience but it was really hard to commit to making those choices um which is why it's so interesting when you come across games where they give you those choices and i think cyberpunk does a a great job of masking those behind uh just casual not casual but you know well thought out dialogue as opposed to like this is the good answer this is the bad answer right uh Right. It really just gives you options and lets you decide, like, how do you want to approach it? And where's your morality at the moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, with, with <laughs> Pan Am, um, I feel like we really haven't gotten into too much of the romance aspect of it. Uh, yeah. Why don't, for- why don't you why don't you talk through that part? Because that obviously was something your character could have played through that mine didn't. How did you feel about that? Yeah. I, so this was, this was an interesting thing. I, I, through my first playthrough, I went and romanced through, uh, for, with Pan Am. And, uh, if you, if you have been listening to the show for a while, you know, I don't have a whole lot of experience with games that actually offer romance options. So this was one where I was like, this feels like they've done a good job with it. I want to commit to it. I want to see, uh, how this goes. And I was very surprised when playing through about how, how dejected I felt through a lot of those options. So if you, if you're going to romance Pan Am, you really have to be okay with rejection, which is tough. I don't think anyone deals with rejection, especially constant rejection. Uh, A lot of people tend to kind of give up after a certain point. Um, But you really have to be committed if you want to romance Pan Am. And I kind of appreciate that because it shows, it shows that type of commitment and loyalty to a cause that I think is what is at the heart of who Pan Am is as a person. Um, I think her loyalty and her dedication to helping the Aldecados, even at the expense of her own comfortable nature, uh, is, is what really speaks well about her. So there were a lot of times where like after the first quest, you, you meet up with her and then afterwards you go to, uh, the ghost town, um, motel and right. you, you end up, uh, actually, I don't know if it was the ghost town. I think it's like the blue moon or something. I can't quite remember, but you go there and it starts off asking, uh, about how you want to spend the night there. Cause there's a storm moving in. You, you, you want to just get some sleep. So they ask like, do you want, to have a, a single room and there's twin beds. So you both agree and that kind of kicks it off, but nothing happens as a result of it. It feels like it's very much just like a, this is just a more convenient thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. And then 
time passes by and then that's when you actually have to start going into learning more about the the actual tribe people uh or the the nomad clan that's actually there and i think that was actually the part where i was like i started to see the softer side of her um, it was a little, little less murder, a little less getting my truck back and a little more like <laughs> a little less oh, murder, a little less murder. You know, <laughs> there still should be some murder in any romance. Let's be, let's, you know, <laughs> right. murder, murder and stealing things. Come on. It's a good day, <laughs> but getting, getting to meet up with her, uh, and, and feeling that earnestness in her desire to save her, her Aldecado friends who she even, you know, she, it's clear she's not like in the good with her clan, but she still wants to help them. She still wants to save their lives and she still cares about them. And seeing that you kind of just, you're like, Oh man, she does have a heart. She does care about how things are going to go. Um, even if it means like having to have an out all in out fight with Saul, which is a whole nother thing. Uh, but every time we went on a mission, it was so interesting because there was always touching moments. Like the game always took a moment to give you, a, a breath and to let you kind of resolve on what, what actually happened. You know, like you, you, you break into this place and you, you save Mitch and you save Saul, uh, you know, you go through a storm, you, you steal a, a basilisk tank, mm-hmm. uh, and in each time afterwards, either the night before or the night after, there's always kind of that moment where you just kind of get to hang out with Pan M. And that was one of those weird things where it was like, yeah, it's not like movie night. It's not like going out and, you know, going to a show or something like that or having dinner, but it was like a, a time where I didn't I didn't really notice that with too many other romance options. Um Carrie and River had a couple moments like that, but I feel like Pan M was afforded the most number of times. And I and I kind of wonder if design-wise that was because of one of the endings for the game and how it so closely ties to your relationship with the aldecados but huh, yeah i don't know if you had uh had had any feelings on that or if i you want me to keep moving on um no, I, mean, I think that makes sense though uh she i mean she is the one of the most tied to the ending of the game or at least an, mm-hmm. an ending of the game so yeah that that makes sense i think yeah so a lot of the times that you interact with her you'll you'll say the thing that you think is the right thing to say, which if, if you have any kind of history with hitting on people that you should be good, just go with your instinct on that. <laughs> okay. I, if, you, if you don't, there's guys out there. So don't worry. <laughs> Google, <laughs> Google, uh, hitting on people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you have trouble with the ladies, there are IGN wikis out there for you. Right. Um, so, but, but, uh, yeah, if you talk to her and you show interest, uh, she tends to reject you a lot. And I remember I was talking to my buddy and I'm going to call him out Blake, uh, who doesn't listen to this, but it's okay. But uh, I was talking to him when he was playing through it and I was, I was going down the same path that he was, he and I were both romancing Pan Am and he was like, dude, I don't know, man, I think I screwed this up. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, well, she keeps rejecting me. And I'm like, no, yeah, that's, that's fine. And he's like, yeah, but she's rejecting me. And I'm like, no, that's how she is. She doesn't want to get connected. She's not trying to uh-huh. get invested. She has a bigger goal in mind. She doesn't want to be tied down by a relationship. It's a distraction right now. Right. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, trust me, 
You just got to go with it. You got to go with it. You just got to be, you got to, you got to be aggressive. You got to be as aggressive as she would be if she wanted to be with someone and they kept rejecting her. She would, she would, I feel like at least she would act the same exact way. Man, it is such a tricky thing to just, to just jump in here real quick. Like these kinds of cues in figuring out relationships is a very, very tricky thing because Mm -hmm. there are personalities that want you to be absolutely insistent and to be there and to keep pressing and keep pressing and keep pressing in order to win them over. And there are personalities out there who don't want none of that. They want to tell you no once. And if it's more than that, you are harassing them. And these things are very difficult to feel out because we're human beings and we're complex. And, and I, I can see why your buddy would have been confused by this because you know, like, well, she said, no, Okay, yeah. like this time for time for me to move on. It totally is, and and it's interesting because as you go along, the the game gives you opportunities to test it further, and I I love that it's not just like a one a one test kind of option. Like there, this is multiple choice. You could pick A or B. Like you can touch your thigh mm-hmm. on two options and say two totally different things, but only one of those is actually going to be the right thing to say if you're trying to romance her. And I'm like, I appreciate that because you can be in that moment and be reading someone act on it and still screw it up. I totally mess it up. Oh yeah. Thing. Oh yeah. Totally. And I'm like, that is good writing. Right. That is Right. Excellent. Writing. And this is and this is it's, why life lesson. This is why it's best to do the thing that you would naturally do and not try to be someone else. Or look up a wiki guide or look and don't look up a wiki guide. <laughs> do the thing that you would naturally do, because if you're forcing yourself to do things you wouldn't do, then it, you obviously don't make sense with the other person. Like like that is a clear sure. sign there that like if you are having to jump through hoops in order to get them, you're, you're being somebody other than yourself. Like do what would yeah. be be your freaking self. If you would in that yeah. situation, if you felt that you that you had the the sense that uh, touching their leg right there and saying this kind of thing made sense, then go with it because <laughs> that is is going to work in it or it's not. And if it doesn't work, that's probably for the right reasons. You know, that's it. That is a that is a mucky a mucky swamp to have to navigate oh, to because yeah. what you think is the right thing to say and do is not necessarily what they think is the right thing to say or do. And you really have to study human beings to kind of pick up on those subtle tells so because tricky. a lot of it is just so subtle. You know, it's, it doesn't. Oh man. Sorry. I, I'm jumping on top of you, but do it, do it. Um, go, <laughs> you know, it's really what cringy. Uh, just a side note here. Uh, Cause I feel like we're getting kind of to the end of this whole relationship conversation. Anyway, um, side note here, rewatching the empire strikes back and the scene with, uh with um uh leia Luke. and and uh no han. not the kissing scene han oh, okay. uh pursuing leia and like cornering her and being like uh, oh yeah you like me don't you you like me don't you and that like that almost forced kiss like yeah that may have tracked in 1970 something or 1981 or whatever year that that was filmed um yeah. but like today not at all <laughs> like that's like you that's like unless yeah first unless there's that feeling that like underneath it all that person's still telling you yes but you can't go with that like don't don't go with that because like they might not actually be saying that you're maybe you're seeing things you want to see that aren't actually there it's better to just take the no and just go with the no like it's it's so tricky i think that's a uh, god 
Damn, dude, that was a really good analogy because, yeah, Han feels like male V in this instance and mm -hmm. Leia feels like Pan Am. Right. Pan Am has a very save Alderaan, defeat the Empire right. goal in this right. instance. Like she's, and Han she's is clearly like, denying her own feelings. Han clearly is picking up on those feelings, but she's trying to deny them because she feels like there's something more important that she needs to be doing than being in a relationship. Right. That's yep. the whole situation. And so just because that Han is, really is picking good. up on that doesn't mean and, and, and this is the real world aspect of it. Just because you think you're picking up that on that with somebody doesn't mean you are. Right. Yeah. And so, so pressing for that is almost never the right thing to do. But anyway. Yeah. 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 And and for those of you uh, with your bingo sheets, you do get the, the <laughs> checkbox for the Star Wars reference in Star the podcast. Wars, Star Wars reference. There so, you go. Good job. There. Uh, we also had the Star Trek, too. So make sure you get that free square. Um, with this, so I went through the entire thing. I wanted to touch on the the actual sex scene that was in that, um, not graphically, but I wanted to touch on the thing that I thought was really interesting about this. So I I thought it was really surprising um, that everything happens. Like, I, I don't know who the writer was for this, but I have to say, whoever came up with the idea to have the Aldecado uh, romance person who Obviously, the Aldecados, the Nomads, really love their vehicles. But to have like a tank as the thing that you have like the backseat, like <laughs> love scene in, uh -huh. like chef's kiss. It thematically was, works, right? It so thematically works. Like you're out in the middle of the desert at night and you're sitting there like it is totally like, hey, you got this big badass vehicle of course you're going to want to have you know sex in there and <laughs> but and of course it's going to be cyberpunk so of course you're jacked into the tank and you two are like sharing each other's feelings and it's like well that is the most cyberpunk nomad thing <laughs> i think i've ever seen before that was like spot on that was like yeah. freaking genius yeah. uh but I, I love that it's like it's their tank uh at that point and it's like going out in and finding a, a quiet ledge out in the middle of nowhere to get away from everyone to have a private moment but that was really surprising to me i i was not expecting that uh when when i actually was playing through it so when when you actually have um, these characters kind of interacting with each other, I will say that it is really, really weird when <laughs> the game doesn't load in your hair or half of your clothes <laughs> and you're just <laughs> you're looking at two weird models like two animated models like animating towards each other and i'm like this is this is so weird but yeah it's hard not to get caught up in the moment when you're just like oh this is so this is exactly what it should be like it's the perfect first time kind of situation you know i've got this badass tank with two badass people and they're both like jacking into each other's emotions and it's like yeah this is straight out of avatar like they just connected up to the tree and and they're they're sharing each other's feelings and stuff and next thing you know they're going to wake up and there's going to be a big thing pushing down a whole bunch of trees and trying to level the forest and you have to run around and, and smash cameras why am i right. and they're blue yeah. <laughs> so but yeah. yeah um definitely like one of the times where uh i'm hoping that as i play through my female uh nomad that i will i will probably pick up the uh the river 
relationship next and play through that to see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to do the Goro one or, and I definitely won't be able to do the, the carry one, but I'm, I'm interested to see how the river one plays out. Cause it seems like it'll be a little more subtle. Um, but I did really, I did really appreciate just how they went with the, uh, with the actual Pan Am one. I haven't done the Judy one though, so I don't know how that goes either, but, um, at some point I'll probably see if I can, oh yeah, I can do that one. So yeah, but overall, uh, the romance with Pan Am was really well done. I, I, I appreciated that they stuck true to the characters and the theming. And I just, I, I was really impressed, uh, just kind of playing through it thinking like, man, they kind of nailed that. It works really, really well. Like if you think about who the Aldecados are, who uh, Panem is, how it all kind of goes on or how, how it all kind of plays out. It's like, yeah, they did a really good job writing it. And, and just kind of, again, testament, like last week, testament to the, to the characters that they built for this game. Because I think that's the thing that really, really hits when people actually play through that as opposed to just mainlining the story. Mm. Well said. I don't have much to add to that, but uh, but yeah, that sounds sounds good. <laughs> well, we did we did get that article that I wanted to, yes. to jump into because yeah, we did so, see someone who finally got to experience the game after right bashing so, it. Yeah, well, I wanted to touch on. I've been you know looking for news. There's not a whole lot of news this last week, but there is an article by the Washington Post, uh, Gene Park from the Washington Post, who initially did a review of the game early on when it first came out. And I'm not going to read through the whole article. Uh, you guys can look it up if you want. But the the main concept of this can be summed up in like the second paragraph, which says, in my review, I called the game an intoxicating, intoxicating virtual reality after about 19 hours with it, focusing on, only on the main story missions. But 19 hours was not enough time. I have completed the entire game three times in a total of 150 hours, I now regret submitting an incomplete review that focused only on the critical story path. I wish I had the chance to test the game's boundaries as an open world experience. So we're at the uh, the point in the, the life of this game where we're not going to have the next patch yet. That's still a little ways off. But the people who left the initial reviews are now having the opportunity to actually spend time with it and give a more well-rounded perspective on it. So... What are your thoughts on this, Logan? I think it really is kind of that. I I feel like the the game's media ebbs and flows, and I really I wish that people gave reviews a month after the game had actually been released. Yeah, uh, I hate that that games live and die off of the off of the launch because there's so many games that nowadays because we have the ability to patch these things because we have the ability to add content later. It's not the same paradigm that we had back when we were loading in carts into our N64 or, or CDs into our PlayStation. Like this is a totally different paradigm. And when you actually sit down and give things the time that they need and allow them to breathe, give them a chance to, to really kind of explore it instead of like, what's the next game that's coming out? Well, we got this game. We're going to do a review for a couple of weeks. We're going to give our impressions, but it's not launched. So it's not done. So we're going to base it off of that. It's like, ah, you know, I really wish that people had a chance to play through this game. Cause I think the thing that people know who were looking forward to this, who sat down and 
ignored the, the the technical aspects of it and looked at it for what type of game it was and the 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 actual story that it actually has mm-hmm. not even with any kind of actual updates to the to the story but just the the pure story that's built into the game I think everyone generally agrees that the game is really well told uh, for the stories that they offer. The the failings are in the things that they that they said they wanted to bring that didn't make the cut, and the time that they had to make sure that the game was in a in a polished state. I'm playing Ghost of Tsushima right now, and you can tell Sucker Punch had a lot of time to polish that game. They only had to make it for one hardware set, so they didn't have to worry about porting it to six different ecosystems. And you can tell, you can tell that that story is really well told and the game plays exceptionally well. There's very few hiccups and it is no different to me in an open world sense than Cyberpunk. The difference being is, is that Cyberpunk is trying to appease, they're trying to feed too many mouths and all these mouths are taking two bites looking at it and saying i don't like vegetables where's the pizza and <laughs> it's like uh-huh. the, pe- the pizza's under the pineapple you just got to eat both at the same time <laughs> you just gotta get through the pineapple so but that uh, i'm glad that we're starting to see some of these stories come out i think you and i can both agree that we knew the, these stories would come out it <laughs> may take a year and some patches but i i think that what cyberpunk has and you said it well in the discord chat which if anyone's listening and you're not in the discord (laughs) chat you need to be in the discord chat about this uh cyberpunk has has the bones for a really good game they just have to learn how to finish making the game and yeah when you get to that point where the the cars play well the physics work well the interactions with things are set up and they they get all of the the ai set up the way that people expect it based on the current state of other open world games. I think this game is going to be everything that they thought it would be at launch and more. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I'm just looking forward to reading more of these articles where people are like, yeah, I spent 150 hours with it. It's a, it's a damn good game. It's a really, really good game. You should play it. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to kind of sum this up for, for the article, uh, the, the final paragraph gives a really good, Summary, I guess you could say three months out from the game's release. It's safe to say that the legacy of Cyberpunk 2077 is tainted, being that our hopes and dreams didn't all get met and there were difficulties with the you know, the way the game performed. Um, there are good adventures and narratives awaiting players across Cyberpunk's future futuristic landscapes. They're just buried in, underneath a glut of features that never crystallize and promises that failed to materialize. And that's and that's the truth is that like the stories are good. There's um, this article even goes in and talks about like for a for a development studio that has always done third person games to do a first person shooter. Um, it's amazing that the the gunplay feels so well, well done, like the gunplay is awesome. Like there are things in this game that are really, really good. It's just it's not complete. Like it's the performance isn't there. There are aspects that are just missing. And like, you know, to what you were saying, we don't live in a time where you ship a CD or a cartridge and that version of the game is the final version of the game. And it's all it will ever be. This game six months, a year from now will be a different game. It's going to continue to get patched and updated Um, that like the legacy of it will be that it launched too early and all those things weren't there at launch. But the version of the game will get to play a year, two years from now could be very, very different. So we're just going to have yeah. to see, you know, but even with all the difficulties, there is the, the bones are good. 
the foundation for yeah. what they're making is good. They just need to fix the stuff that isn't. Yeah. And, and that's the nice thing about this being a company that self publishes is we know that they, they have the means to do it. They have the time to do it. It's just a, it's, it's just a matter of us sitting back and being patient and trusting that, you know, based on how we appreciate games like the Witcher, this will be one of those games that we appreciate in the future when there is that, you know, definitive edition coming to switch pro in three years. And everyone's just like, Oh God, finally, all I want to do is play this portably kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And It'll be, it'll be nice to get to that point, but at least, you know, if people get to a point, say in like a year when they're, when they're playing it and it's a great state, this podcast will at least be there to be like, Hey, you know, these are, this was a really great game even to start with. Um, but you know, here are all these great things that you can learn about this now that you're getting into the, in, into the, the, the waters with it. Now you're actually getting deep into it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good that some of these reviews are coming around and seeing things a little bit differently. And, you know, we're still waiting for that, that next patch and to find out what the DLC is going to be. Like we discussed last week, I have a feeling that the stories are going to be interesting and well-written because that's what they've been doing. That's the pedigree. I don't, I don't see that part changing. Hopefully some of the mechanics and the, the bugs and things will continue to improve. Um, but that's it. There's not a whole lot of other news out there. Uh, there's a few little things about like Elon Musk must be playing the game because he made a comment about the, the vehicles in Cyberpunk 2077 would be all automated and electric by now. I'm like, okay, great. He does have a point. I mean, he's got a but point, but it's like, is this, is this newsworthy? I mean, you, you know, Actually, the 24 hour news cycle is crazy. It's nuts because of the whole, like, let's turn that into an article. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Although I do have to say that um, it's clear that he's just playing the game and not digging into the lore because we've already covered biochem in a couple of ways is how they've been able to right. efficiently produce right. uh, cl- clean fuel for vehicles. And that's what they're running on and not electricity. Yeah. But so. wouldn't, you, wouldn't you totally expect the guy who has his, you know, makes a car company full of a bunch of electric vehicles looking at the future to comments on a game about the future, <laughs> you know, like with a bunch of vehicles. <laughs> It seems like a no-brainer. It's like, well, he hasn't done this already. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Um, tell you what, Elon, I, I appreciate that you're listening to this one specific episode, but <laughs> come back when you actually make a flying vehicle. Okay, bro. Yeah. Flying cars, hover cars. Where are hover cars? Where are I was hover told, cars, bro? I was told in the eighties when I watched back to the future Two. At school, I was told, but one of our teachers had a magazine. It was like uh, Popular Mechanics or something. And there was an article in there that was like, we will have hover cars by the year 1999. And I was like, yeah, that's really cool. That's that's not that far away. You know, like I will be able to have a hover car as an adult. And you know what? Still don't have them. Still don't have them. Look at this. Elon Musk going around being like, hey, guys, I'm, I, I don't know about you guys, but I made electric cars popular. It's like, cool. Come back when you have flying vehicles. We watched Back to the Future, too. They're <laughs> way better than electric cars. Find out where Mr. Fusion is and work on that next, man. Right. Mr. I want to go to Mars. Right. Please. Yeah. Please. They traveled 30 years in the future from 1985 to 19 to 2015. Seriously. It's three years I, after I that. We still don't have flying cars. I dare him to he'll, he'll go on Joe Rogan. He won't come on our show. I dare I dare him. Yeah. Come explain to me why flying vehicles aren't a thing yet. Come Mr. Tell Musk. Mr. Musk. Musk Musky Muskerson. Call yeah. him Musky Musk. That's what I call him. 
in our home. It's called musky. 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 Well, uh, wow, that went off the rails. All right. Well, thanks, Logan, for hanging out and talking a yeah, lot no about, about Pan Am and, of course, all the other things that we always discuss. Thank you, Chad, for being here. Do you have anything cool to share before we go out, before we head out um, into the yeah, cyberpunk I, world, into Night City? Oh, man. Now that you bring it up, uh, not going to lie, the uh, Sea of Thieves realm is coming up on the third anniversary, March 20th. There is a ton of stuff. If you have Xbox Game Pass or you're into comics or you uh, like Twitch drops, uh, if you want gear or equipment, free stuff, uh, Sea of Thieves all come in starting on the on the 18th. So that's Ooh. that's starting the 18th. Start logging into Sea Thieves. Start watching uh, Sea Thieves partnered streamers. You can always find out who they are Ooh. on the Sea Thieves website. Um, lots of free cosmetics coming in the next uh, the this next week. So yeah, that'll be fun. Plus, we're kicking off um, season two in April. So there's still some time to to get some free gold and cosmetics and all that good jazz coming in uh, on this last season. So uh, big exciting things coming for Sea of Thieves that I'm looking forward to, to talking more about over on Keelhauled. Uh, if you guys want to find out more about that, head over to the Discord on Robots Radio and make sure you check out the Keelhauled uh, Discord channel. Just hit me up if you have questions, concerns, comments. If you want to hear about me talking more smack to Elon Musk, you can always hit me up on Twitter <laughs> at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. Come at me, Musk. That's all I do. I want my flying vehicle. All I do is at Elon Musk with witty comebacks about vehicles. Um, where's my av what if you I had don't see a, it. what if you made a twitter account that's that's all you did was just respond to elon musk musk every day every day every day that's Anytime all, every he time something. he tweets it was you just respond that's the only thing where's that, my av bro yeah that's it that's it um awesome i'm gonna uh, do that we've been playing a lot of sea of thieves over on our streams during the day uh, on friday uh toasty and <laughs> so Thana toasty we call him toasty um and me and some other friends were streaming and got lots of gold it was awesome where the no pants pirates crew is great we are super good at that game let me tell you uh we're so <laughs> we're so good at it that at the end of the stream they threw me in the brig and then burned the ship down so that was fun um that's okay but other than that uh i've been i've been doing my normal stuff oh i've got big news though i've got big news i've got a new oh. show coming uh me and friend of the show kung fu kangaroo um is uh or a fr- friend of our shows my shows uh we've we're, we're joining forces he's a big mass effect fan knows a ton about Ooh. mass effect i've played through those games as well we're gonna do a mass effect lore cast oh that's cool yeah and we're gonna I do it right after this episode maybe starting next week so it'll be a sunday nice. night double header we'll do cyberpunk and then mass effect and uh, it'll be out there, of course, on all the all the podcast feeds for you to download and listen to. Uh, the videos will go up on YouTube, just like all the regular YouTube videos we do. And of course, we'll stream it here live. So it's going to be great because Mass Effect has a lot of really cool moral decisions yeah. and a lot of cool lore about the universe and the way that stuff works. And the uh, the remake, the uh, well, the uh, it's not a remake, the definitive, the, the definitive yeah. edition or whatever, whatever, whatever they call it. The we're putting it out for the new consoles and making it look shiny and nice again. Uh, it's coming out. Uh, in just like a month or two so um it might be time to jump back through and play those games too 
That's cool. Yeah, I never got to play through the first one. I only ever played through the second oh, one. Oh, really? And I never, I never touched the third one. And I, I'm, I'm dying to get into that definitive edition because I want to play like with the updated stuff. So yeah, heck, heck yeah, I'm gonna be jumping on that podcast. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I might that's, do. That's gonna be good. I might do another playthrough of that. I'm also really, really playing with the idea. Um, the cyber. I'm sorry. This is the cyberpunk lorecast. The fall. Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. On occasion, I will take some of the uh, roleplay streams that I've done and turn them into episodes that end up being these like bonus episodes in between the other episodes. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. The Adventures of Captain Robots, and I'll you know talk with the NPCs and I'll go through the world and do stuff. I'm thinking about taking that concept and making that its own podcast feed and playing through different games as they come out or as I revisit them or whatever. Um, so. Uh, so Thanatos has said, let me know when you set up your Patreon on Mass Effect is awesome. You will, you will be aware. We will let you know. Um, but I'm glad there's already some excitement for this, but I'm thinking about doing a, it's just, it's just something funny. Like Tom role plays games as a podcast feed, mm-hmm. just something like that. And if you guys are interested in, you know, just listening to me play games and you can go there and listen to me play games, it might be fun. Um, it would be a reason to play, replay through those games, games like Mass Effect, and play through them and then you guys can listen to the playthroughs or i can put them up on youtube or whatever um so it might be fun fun times i can also do it on stream you guys can come hang out as i play through the games so more fun ideas you know uh we'll see how it goes but uh that's that's what i got going this this week and um thanks everybody for being here for listening and for helping to support the show and, and all the little ways that you guys help out we really do appreciate it and uh until next time captain logan stay safe in night city You do that. Be good, everybody. We'll talk to you later. (laughs) Have a good one. See ya. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Cyberpunk Lorecast. This show is a part of the Robots Radio Network. Smart podcasts for interesting people. If you'd like to help support the show, please tell a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. If you'd like to get in contact, please send an email to cyberpunklorecast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at cyberpunklore. Also, join the community on the Robots Radio Discord. The link is in the show notes. The music on the show was written and performed by The Midnight and was used with their permission. Go check them out at themidnightofficial.com. Until next time, stay safe in Night City. We'll talk to you later. You've been listening to a Robots Radio Podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Hey friends, this is Robots, the creator of the Robots Radio Podcast Network and host of the two original shows on the network, the Fallout Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. These two shows have rocketed up the iTunes charts. They both together have over 155 star reviews in only a couple of months with bite-sized episodes that take you step-by-step through the background of the games in the game worlds. They're thought-provoking, well-produced, and a lot of fun. I recommend you go check them out at robotsradio.net or on any podcast reader, podcatcher, whatever you use, iTunes, Spotify. Again, that's the Fallout Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, available everywhere. Looking for an RPG podcast that isn't just D&D? Roll to cast is the answer. No, no, wait, sorry. What games have we played so far? Well, we've done Cyberpunk 2020. What does it mean? 
to have a voice. And there's going to be something big coming, Chumba. Hey, if you're listening, I won. I beat you. You suck. There was a time when we were slamming things against our phones and... <laughs> Vampire the Masquerade. Chloe, Sam? You can't use those words! He's going to grab Vincent, press him against the wall. I mesmerize him. This is Adelaide's Anarch movement. First out of your chair, your hand goes to your gun and you draw... Hulk Cthulhu. Told you I had it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the creeps going. I love it so much. Right there. Screechy child. <laughs> My favorite daughter. Maybe after what we just seen, we're feeling a bit trigger happy. And the new Cyberpunk Red. Babe, you're good, but better. Thought maybe you might be able to give me a counter off. Straight through his neck. I don't see bone either, but I'm not gonna look. My leg's fine. I always knew you wanted to fly, kid. Come find me. Roll to cast. R-O-L-E. A new game every season. Original music. Original stories. Interviews with the creators. And delightful Aussie accents. Listen to us on all good podcatchers. You can support us on Patreon for bonus content. That's Roll to Cast. R-O-L-E. Come discover a new world. Ever wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful. Here on The Content Creator's Guide, available wherever podcasts can be found.